This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, October 24th, 2020. So, Dornall, how was your week? Daddy Warpig, what can I say? We're late October. I've had a great week. Nothing but positive energy out here. Uh, lots of gaming as usual. We had a, a near TPK in a weekly Dungeons and Dragons game. Saved only by a timely wish spell. That's how bad it got. I won't go into details because that would be boring. Are, are you a player or are you the GM? I'm a player in this one. Oh, okay. We all had a good time. Uh, you might laugh. In the first, within the first 45 minutes of the game, my character had died. I was actually jumping around playing other, like NPCs and party members, the whole night. <laughs> because they kept on dying. Uh, uh yeah. <laughs> okay yeah i laughed <laughs> anything uh, else exciting <laughs> yes Tied uh, your, your sheer dedication to uh, having a one-man tv game hey you know the funny thing is is that normally i'm that reckless kind of player who gets his characters killed in this case I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with it. My my regular character has a big pile of hit points, and it was just three crits in a row. I you can't make this up. It was just like, and you're dead. <laughs> Great. I'll just you you couldn't wait till two hours into the session. You had to do it in the first hour. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, those of us. And we should uh, we should make our guest aware before he is introduced. He can jump in and say hi. Uh, I, I, there's something else happened this week, but I want to say hi to Ben Wheeler. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you should know. Always a pleasure. You should know. Yeah, it's it's great to have you back, Ben and I, and everybody else who funded Brian Niemeyer's latest Indiegogo Combat Frame S. You have a Christmas present, a Halloween present in your email inbox. So those EPUBs went out. I've read it yesterday. I sat down and, and polished it off in an afternoon. So that'll that'll mostly do for my mini review. I polished it off in an afternoon. So um, highlights, there's lots of great action and Brian Niemeyer really gives the Build-A-Mech uh, backers what they love. Uh, everything everything that you talked about with Brian in your sessions comes out right there in the book. Love it. Uh, are there any low parts? Sure. I Actually, it's not as good as the last Combat for Make Seed uh, because Brian tells a different type of story. So I'm not going to spoil anything about that. But do not begin the book as I did expecting another CY40 story. Uh, Brian's doing some some new stuff, some cool stuff, but the 
Brian Niemeyer signature pacing and action scenes are there. So it's a fun read. So that's, that is all I will tell you, Mr. Wheeler. Oh, oh all you're doing is tickling my interest. <laughs> and, uh, Please, I, not in the air. I wish... <laughs> this is a family show. Uh, we are... Uh, I would love to say that, once again, my Build-A-Mech is the best. That's pure bias on my part. The uh, uh, Year of Valkyries and the, uh, the Wild Hunt series really had excellent scenes. It was a lot of fun to read. Um, I think... For sheer style purposes, I, I liked the Wild Hunt the best, but oh yeah, I, I saw the, the images for that. And I'm like, dang it. The yeah the the I think Brian's descriptions really does them just well. The, he, all the build mechs are done really really well. So that's that's all I'll say about that. I do recommend if you have it, uh, just grab the ebook today, read it. If you haven't yet, you know, check it out. Links are on the internet somewhere. Um, I recommend checking out that book. Um, that's it. That's that's my week. What about you, Daddy Warpig? Well, if you remember, I, I don't want to do these quickly, um, but if you remember a couple of months ago, we talked about The Night Eats the World, the French zombie movie where a guy goes to a party and falls asleep, and when he wakes up, everybody's dead because zombies have come and he's all alone in the house. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that. And we talked about hashtag alive, which was uh, a Korean film that took much the same idea. Yes. The, uh, the, you know, the lonely Korean computer nerd stuck in his apartment. Right. Right. Got it. And I said, those dastardly Americans uh, were doing a remake of the Korean film. They were ripping off the Korean movie. And it was coming out uh, in the middle of October. Now, guess what came out last week? Ripoffs. But... I've got an amazing story for you. Let's hear it. The American movie isn't a ripoff. The Korean movie was based on a script written by an American screenwriter who adapted it, working with a Korean screenwriter, and they went off and made the Korean movie. And in that same American screenwriter with that same American script went uh, and apparently later sold it and they made the American movie based off of his original script. Huh. And the French movie was based off of a French novel which the American may or may not have taken inspiration from. I couldn't find anything about that. But it actually wasn't a ripoff. It was just the same guy got two movies made from his original screenplay. Well, that was kind of interesting. Honestly, I love that. That's fantastic. It's, for me, 
just a, as a personal note, I think another movie that comes to mind, even in the same genre, was The Ring, where they took, they just remade this uh, Japanese horror film into America instead of just translating it or dubbing it or whatever, and they're they're slightly different movies and they're good. That's cool. I like it when when people can do that. But the fact that that's the same guy that made it in both, more or less. So the American movie is called Alone. Um, and there are some other Alones that even came out this year. And there's another zombie movie I also watched this week called I Am Alone. Um, and I didn't watch it on accident. I mean, that would be like the great normal stories. I accidentally hunted down and watched it on accident, but I didn't. I looked it up because I, I don't know if you remember the movie called Hardcore Henry from a few years ago. One of my favorite movies. Is all it? Shot, all uh, shot in first person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember. I remember hearing that gimmick. Why is it? Why is it your favorite movie? It's one of my favorites. The violence, the pacing, it's its just this amazing flow from pace to pace. It's got high, it's got these great ideas. It actually like plays through character arcs and character ideas. Like you've got a whole book, one guy with a whole bunch of bodies. Of course, he's going to have one guy who's like the special ops, the punk rocker, the horror, uh, the, the hippie, you know, like, or the fact that they're trying to use, uh, uh, psychic powers and mind control for uh, control of a super soldier army. Like there's all these different sci-fi ideas that just meld together incredibly well. So, and of course it's all got that Russian grunge to it. So wow. hardcore Henry first person shooter, this zombie movie, I am alone. The cover of it on Amazon looks like hardcore Henry. A guy with two guns out, you're in first person, shooting at a bunch of zombies, and behind them is a big burning city. So that's what I Am Alone was sold to me on. That's why I watched it. So let's back up. Alone clearly didn't have the budget that Hashtag Alive did, even though they were both made from basically the same script. Alone is inferior in every way, and I recommend Hashtag Alive, the Korean movie, um, and I would not recommend Alone. It was just inferior in every way, and it did have some okay parts, but by and large, it is completely skippable. You get everything from Alive, and even better than Alive is... The Night Eats the World, which is the French version, which has significant differences because it's not made from this script. So, big recommend on The Night Eats the World. Recommend on uh, Hashtag Alive. No recommend on Alone. And I Am Alone... I got to describe it to you. They sell it to you as if it's hardcore Henry first person. What it really is, is a 
Bear Grylls-like survival show. This guy goes up to the Colorado Rockies. He's got his production crew. He takes off, so he's carrying GoPros and other cameras to record him doing his survival thing. They've done like 400 of these shows in different places around the globe. It's a popular show. It's a big show. This movie was shot on a micro budget. They did two Kickstarters to shoot different parts of it and then finished it off with uh, some uh, sponsorships, a lot of sponsorships. They have a list of corporate sponsorships. It's like 25 names long in the credits. Did they get the uh, LaCroix water sponsorship? I don't think so. But they got what about like ice cold fresca. They got like shoe stores and uh, a whole bunch of other stores to sign in on it. Um, so the movie is not, it has a micro budget. It's not a low budget movie. It's a micro budgeted movie. And the sh movie is filmed on the cameras that the crew would be carrying for their YouTube show. Okay. Um, so it's filmed on GoPros and, and phones and things like that. Um, the acting really is amateurish. And I'm not saying that to knock it. I'm not saying that to, you know, scold it. It's going to be amateurish on a home, basically a homemade movie like this. Fair. It has some clever lines. It has two clever lines right at the beginning. But the writing is only mediocre after that. But it is at least clever, or it, it is at least moderately original in some of the zombie concepts it has. Um, but it is not a great movie. And I wouldn't really recommend it to anyone who wasn't just really looking for zombie movies and not really caring about the quality of the movie they were looking for. It is available on Amazon Prime uh, video for, for free if you have an Amazon Prime membership. Um, what was the name don't again? Don't believe the box art. The box art lies. There are no burning cities. There is no first-person shooting. Lame. Boring. Yawn. Uh, well, thank you for take once again taking that zombie-shaped bullet for us, Daddy Warpig, <laughs> so we don't have to. <clears throat> Although I'm, I think I'm thinking of starting a tradition this week. I'm, you know, I'm not a horror movie guy. I think I'm going to catch some horror movies this week uh, to hype myself up for Halloween. You guys have given me a list so far. Daddy Warpig says I must see Train to Busan. Yes. Uh, what else must I see? 
Uh, well, the three I've recommended to you at different times are Train to Busan, The Night Eats the World, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1971 or 1970. Those are my recommendations. I'm not saying you must see them, but those are the horror movies I would recommend. Okay. Because they're actually good. Because they're actually good movies. Good movies, not just good horror movies. I've seen good horror movies. I've seen horror movies that happen to be good movies, like Alien. You know, I I know what's yeah. up. Yeah. It can be done. Oh, and plus, there's also good and scare quotes horror movies, such as Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, <laughs> which are a lot of fun. All right. Speaking of spooky stuff, let's let's talk to our guest, Mr. Ben yes. Wheeler. Me? Yeah. Huh? Oh, oh, uh, yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I'd, uh, I'd like to know what's, so, what is new with you? Cause you've been on the show, but it's, I think it's been a year or two. And, uh, and since then the, you're still wearing the superversive moniker, but, uh, the, the superversive press sort of disappeared on us, didn't it? So what you been up to? So, uh, when you first had me on, I, I think I was advertising Sheik of Mars, my first novel. Uh, which sadly is, is still in the doghouse, and I need to zhuzh it up because I've I've paid for vellum. I need to use it. Uh, but since since the beginning of the year of of tw- the year of our Lord twenty twenty, uh, which I, I assume is the real year of the Mayan end of the world, uh, as they mm. probably forgot to uh, transpose a one or something. Um, oh. The. Uh, hmm? Uh, for, for myself, uh, I wandered around a bit and I'm working for El Jaji Lamplighter doing editing and book stuff, uh, for which I guess I'm going to set up a shingle and go into business for, but the real thing I'm doing is Pinkerton's ghosts. I love that name. And, and the only thing I've gathered so far in my vast amount of time spent researching this subject in the past 30 minutes is it's a podcast. Yes. Okay. So, tell me more. Uh, so me, uh, I, I'm sort of heading the thing with Ken Dickinson and, and Anthony Marquetta. Ken Dickinson is a voice actor. Uh, he, he does a, a pretty mean, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He does a pretty mean uh, audio book and Anthony Marquetta hangs around uh, we uh, are writing each a story in order. Um, me, Ken, Anthony, and then repeating uh, of a horror short story starring Jack Morrow, my character, Jim Donovan, Ken's character, and Sean Russo, Anthony Marquetta's character. And uh, the focus is, is that we are the last three, not that we know that yet, Pardon me, spoilers. Uh, Pinkertons, uh, paranormal Pinkertons, investigating the supernatural uh, from commands from the mysterious control, uh, who has stopped calling us and talking to us, but still sends her commands by text message. Uh, The first episode, uh, Jack, he receives a text message that in the Missouri forests, 
of which we have more forests now than we did before the settlers, uh, people are disappearing and then reappearing 24 hours later. Uh, and there's all kinds of weird things happening. So he goes in, discovers that somebody, something is puppeteering people so that they walk as if controlled by puppet strings, focused on a little monument in the center of the forest. Uh, he then blows it up and, and runs out of there uh, after fighting both the puppeteered man and the puppeteer, starting a, a series of grudge matches, which I'm going to bring up once or twice a season. Uh, the focus is, is, while I do like to have a bit of action for a little bit of excitement, uh, the focus is on the horror. The horror of a man losing his will, the horror of the Missouri everything. Uh, it's not as bad as Illinois, though. Uh, the horror of, of just, you know, you think you have a small town or whatever, maybe you're, you're part of a Masonic lodge or you you have this or that, then all of a sudden, you know, you're losing time. You're, you're, you know, a little bit more tired, a little bit more world weary than before. And why is there something made of mannequin parts staring at you outside the window? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that was my first episode. So that's the focus. Like I, I, I keep the focus on the horror with action of any kind secondary. Jack Morrow is mostly a solo act. Uh, Ken, Dickinson's, Ken Dickinson's character, Jim Donovan, is more magic-oriented, more in the supernatural. He knows things and can do things. Uh, whereas Jack tends to light everything on fire and or shoot it with his grandpappy's 1911, uh, Jim Donovan has a bit more of an arsenal at his fingertips. And Sean Rosso is the talker uh, with the connections and, uh, you know, a, you know, like the mix between them. So each episode is a standalone, mostly. Um, there's an overarching plot, but if you jumped in in episode eight, which is the one in the link uh, down below, um, you, you would uh, come across Ken Dickinson's episode where after the uh, intensity of episode um, of the previous episode where he goes to uh, a party. Uh, he goes backstage after a elf Leanne seed infested uh, concert. Uh, he is taken a vacation and of course he's attacked by fish people, not mermaids, fish people. Uh, and has to uh, rely on his abilities uh, to get out. It's it's quite quite interesting, um, and I, I like how even though Ken Dickinson is is definitely not a writer, like his ideas are coming out more and more, and they're just fantastic seeing him grow. Uh, Sean Russo's uh, next story is going to be him finally meeting up with his werewolf. Um, uh, oh my goodness, what's the word for somebody who talks to uh, contact? There we go. Informant. Uh, to try and figure out why the murders in Shipton are a little bit higher than usual. Of course, the murders in Shipton are already very high. Uh, no supernatural entities involved. Um, okay. So I, yeah. <laughs> I have a ton of questions. Go for it. You've hit me with the fire hose. I I would like to go back to well, first of all, 
we're going to have uh, someone way smarter than me uh, help me out here. Ardenon Studios mentions in the chat, you've got a B5 story structure. Nice. Does that, uh, does that mean anything to you? Can you explain that? Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, Fantastic. Babylon 5, maybe? Babylon 5. I know it. Yeah, that's beef. I don't know what he means by that. So let's go back to my questions then. Maybe Ardenon will clear that up for us. Um, if, if I could reiterate, you've got a uh, – you, you do audio recordings like a radio show or a podcast. And you've got you yourself and two other guys – and you each write stories about a different character, but it's the same place, the same setting with the same uh, overarching narrative. So, no. Um, okay, help me out then. So, sorry. So each one of them has their own personal narrative, yes. Uh, but they're more roving around a territory than stuck in one place. Okay. So Jack Morrow goes around most of the Midwest, uh, in the next episode, he goes into this Illinois town that's famous for uh, having giant like metronomes and stuff. Uh, in the next one after that, it's a two-parter, which I'm calling White Croc Green Sun, uh, S-O-N, um, which will start as him hunting a possibly supernatural albino crocodile, which might be a voodoo god, to being captured by the voodoo cult and sacrificed to their prince, who is very dead don't worry about it moving in between the shadows don't 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 worry about that the head was always looking at you okay mm -hmm. uh so you know sean russo has a more explicit storyline he's he's trying to figure out all these werewolf murders and shipped and uh well ken dickinson um has more of uh just kind of doing things you know like jack morrow is like it's it's hard to explain it like we the Jack Morrow narrative is there's a secret society out to get him, but he's only vaguely aware of them so far. Uh, I actually set it up so that his, his previous personal climax and story arc was burning down a children's hospital where he destroyed something that he killed something that was already dead. Um, and, he, and he references that on occasion. Uh, and then I'm going to build him back up. So it's like it's like it's like the previous series. You know, this was the book seven showstopper, the real horror. There's undead children lying around. He burns the place down and barely escapes with his life. And now I'm just building him back up. Sean Russo is further along on that, on his arc, because uh, he's also being pursued by Morgana Le Fay because he uh, was able to get an Arthurian artifact for himself, which if he's being honest, is his only qualification to be a paranormal Pinkerton detective. And King Dickinson is kind of tied to the life through family bonds. Uh, so, and, but, oh, sorry, for Jack Morrow with White Croc Green Sun, which I'm looking forward to so much to write. He's actually down in Louisiana. So he's, they're all traveling around their, their locations. Um, the let's see here Arnanon says the overall storyline followed by a theme that you could drop into any episode and it was self-contained and supported the larger storyline basically yes um okay i i've got a better i've got a better understanding of what he meant by that now uh so it's the same world the same sort of dark supernatural mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic style future 
um, but each person's writing his own stories. And so if, if I'm going to log on to the, to YouTube or whatever, and listen to your next episode, is it going to say, Hey, this today's episode is written by so-and-so, you know, this is Ben's story about this character. So you know what type of story you're going to get. Excuse me. Sort of. Yes. It's more of, uh, I open with a, uh, Pinkerton's ghost is a podcast, something, 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 you know, a boilerplate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, because I'm relying on the voices, I just let the title know. Cause you're looking at the title. You're going to say something, something Jim down then in something or, um, episode eight. And it's going to, you're going to know about it. It's not going to be a surprise cause I'm keeping up the pattern very rigidly. Um, then you'll you'll hear Ken Dickinson's lovely voice uh, as he describes his vacation, uh, whale watching off the Oregon coast, and it'd be a shame if anything bad happened to that. Um, and then at the end of it, I have, you know, Pinkerton's Ghost is a uh, non-commercial share-alike international license, um, something something something, you know, written and performed by Ken Dickinson. Uh, I edit, direct, etc. Ken Dickinson does audio editing um, and the usual advertisements for Facebook and so on. Uh, Simon Hogweed I almost said Hogweed. Hogwood asks, any plans for crossover episodes? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I've already contacted Brian Niemeyer, David Halquist, and quite a few other guys uh, if if they wanted to write and perform uh, an episode. Um, you know, I'm keeping it close at hand. Uh, but the, if you if you know me, you can reach out to me. Uh, I don't know you, Simon Hogwood. I'm sorry, but uh, oh, he he probably just asking amongst the three main characters. Uh, oh, among the three main characters, uh, yes. Um, so we, I don't have any planned for now. Um, but the the biggest crossover of will be happening at like the end of season one in about uh, 30 or so episodes, not each like 30 episodes total uh, where they finally go. It's like, listen guys, it's only been the three of us uploading our after mission reports. We got to break this down. And so they go looking for other paranormal Pinkertons. Um, and then it'll be it'll be like one or two or three of us uh, doing things, separating out uh, as needed. Um, that sort of falls falls into what I wanted to ask: is who is in charge of the overall story that everything's supposedly tied together into? Is that a team effort, or do you have one of? Is, are you in charge? Do you have right. one person in charge of that? Yeah, it, it's me. Um, you know, my idea, I've got a vague idea where I want to go with these things. I find that plotting uh, rigidly really cramps my abilities as a writer. So mm-hmm. I generally w- look for things to hit at the right time um, more than, like, I always have very specific ideas of what beats I want to hit. And they have to look a certain way, and I know what they're supposed to look like. So it's not like I'm just bleh. Uh, but the in-between stuff, I don't, I don't worry about it. Like what's going to happen is, is that, you know, Sean, Jack and uh, Jim are going to meet up, go to a secret facility and something horrible is going to happen. Uh, and they're going to learn the horrible truth behind all their missing friends. Um, 
you know, but it's, 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 I'm not going to worry about it until uh, both Anthony and Ken uh, are, are more confident with their characters and um, can sort of like, we got the feel of it down enough that I don't have to put in as much work. <laughs> right. Right. Um, Cause I, so, I am the editor. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm listening to their things and giving them feedback and it's, it's a lot and it's great, but it's a lot. It sounds like opposed to your own episode. So it's, I don't want to give it a time, uh, but it's a lot of hours. Um, so, so for some it's, it's better. Uh, like in, in Kim's case for this episode, all I really did was cut out a lot of fat and then, well, not a lot of fat, honestly. By the like the second, the first half was a little fatty, but the second half was actually pretty slim. Uh, to his credit, like not everyone can can like start trimming their own fat as they're riding. Um, but then I I added um, a couple of like ideas where he's just sort of thinking about things and, and looking out into the coasts to, you know, like with, with interesting imagery, uh, like the clouds are reaching down at the same time, the seas reaching up. So it looks like a bowl, uh, as if it's a goblet on, on some eldritch feast of worlds, uh, you know, stuff like that, that kind of like make the horror pop. Um, my goal isn't so much to replace their voice as to insert surgically little things to make their stories better. Most horror is mediocre to terrible. Almost as a rule. Uh, and like, sure, that's like the 90, 90%, 10% rule. But I'm saying that like most of it follows the same basic uh, formula and it doesn't bring anything new or interesting to it. Like I haven't actually read a horror story written this century in, or last century, excuse me, in years. Um, unless you count something like the Dresden files, which I, I barely do. Um, no, I, I don't suppose I would either. So it's like, you know, like, I, I read mostly like old Gothic stuff or stuff from like the 1890s or Lord Dunsany and stuff like that. And I, I can, you know, except for like, uh, well, no, I got world war Z bone shaker, uh, 10 ghost, which probably no one's ever heard of. Uh, and it's, it's not as good as the guys, uh, Lovecraft dating simulator may, uh, web comic, uh, and a few others, but like, you know, except for stuff like World War Z. Lovecraft Dating Simulator? I'm sorry, that one stuck out at me. Oh, it's uh, it's called Ah, My Sanity. Um, Ow, My Sanity. Uh, what is it? Ow, My Sanity? Hold on a second. Let me, let me find it. Yeah, I, I see it. it. What? I, I see it. Ow, My Sanity. It's just a webcomic. Yeah, and he he didn't finish it. All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna bleach that from my memory. Go ahead. I, sorry for the interruption. No, it's it's great. Because um, he so the opening to that though is amazing. He's he gets stuck in a cult activity and the things granting wishes, uh, <laughs> uh, and his wish is that that somebody would give a damn about him. Uh, and so, of course, it has no concept of giving a damn about us fleshy human bags. Uh, and so, uh, it's, it's, that's the first member of his harem. 
uh, I won't even bother trying to, to pronounce it. I think it's, uh, what's her name? Nancy Alhrazed. Uh, <laughs> because, like, he can't pronounce her name. And she's like, that's not the same. And he's like, eh. Um, it also has, like, one of the most uh, honest, best depictions of uh, being aware of the tropes and acting around them. So he's like, wait a minute. And so he immediately runs up to his room, starts backing bags. And she's like, why are you panicking? And he's like, well, listen, if any stupid art student, art school doomsday cult can summon you and everyone dies, anyone can do it. That means it happens more frequently than it should. <laughs> And so he, he runs into the woods for a week uh, and he's like, listen, either it was, and I can't remember what the first one was or a gas leak. If it's a gas leak, that means that it's not a government entity because they don't have the same power to, to hide everything. And it turns out it's a gas leak, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's, it's actually really smart, um, smart writing within the world that's provided. And that's something I'm, I'm going for, for Pinkerton's ghosts. Lovecraft takes on, ah, my goddess. Yes. Um, the, the, so like I could have Jack Morrow deal with zombies, but honestly, that's not good enough. It's, it's done. It's been done. It was done years ago by people better than I'll well, hmm, richer than I'll ever be. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same. It's not as good. What is good is, say, having a bunch of children zombies animated by a beating heart that's been hiding in the foundations of a children's hospital. You know what I mean? Like there's there's different layers to what you can do with it. I think I get it. So like with with Jim Donovan and Sean Russo, I'm only adding small little flourishes to their main story to make it truly horror. In Sean Ep Sean Russo's uh, second, I think episode. Yes, it would be second because we haven't hit nine yet. Um, he he is uh, going to meet his werewolf informant because that's the first episode of, of the little miniseries. And he um, is is cornered by another werewolf. Uh, and he it's shipped in. So there's dead bodies in shipping containers uh, because their murder rate is absolutely through the roof. Uh, even by St. Louis standards. And the fact that I haven't heard gunfire during this stream is amazing. Um, the, uh, um, he, how do I want to put it? He hides from the werewolf by jumping into a shipping container that also, uh, there's other things that are happening, but he hides in a, with a dead body and he actually backs into the dead body, which is, you know, putrefying. It's, it's horrible. It's hideous. But the werewolf is still coming on, and then, um, you know, it ends with a shootout with a mysterious third party. Uh, you want to link to this site? Okay. All right, guys. I'll, I'll link it. Um, the, uh, the whole, how do I want to put the foot? So Jack Morrow kind of needs the least of my, um, like mental capacity except to write it because I have 
I tend to write very polished scripts, um, like from their baseline with, uh, with Sean Russo and, and Ken, Ken Dickinson, it's a little bit more, more, I need to polish it up a little bit better. Ken Dickinson has a good grasp on how to write, um, uh, like sort of screenplays, like how to how to make the action keep going and how to make characters keep uh, working through things. So it's it's more me guiding him from screenplay style to short story style. Uh, Anthony Marquette is a bit better at dialogue than than he says he is, uh, and so for him it's more adding the horror to it. So he has a good thing going where in the next episode he's going to be finally talking to his werewolf informant. And they're attacked by uh, somebody who's mind controlled, and they have to work around that. I know I'm going to have to add certain styles to it, certain looks that'll make it more horror. In Jack Morrow's last episode, he's relaxing in an abandoned hospital in Arkansas. Now I don't know if if you guys know any history of of health, but Obamacare wasn't the first stupid decision by the government to interfere with our health care. Hmm. Uh, back in the seventies, I, I know this is a surprise, uh, back in the seventies, uh, and a little bit earlier, a little bit later, they actually pulled a lot of medical staff from the countryside and into the big cities. Uh, so when you're hearing that, uh, uh hospitalizations are going up, um, it's mostly people bringing in their family from the countryside into the city. So what happens is that there's a lot of abandoned hospitals. Jack Morrow's mother, who's like kind of the hidden hand behind a lot of his choices, uh, bought up a bunch of them in different places for him to and her to hide out. And then stocked it up uh, in ways that would make a doomsday prepper blush and go to one knee and propose in an instant um, for old widow Morrow. Uh, so he wakes up. Um, from uh, some text messages from Control, who's warning him that a gas is rolling in. So he looks down and he sees the animals start to run. If a bird dips down under the trees, it doesn't rise back up. So he he runs down. He um, gets you know his gas mask from his secret uh, um, from you know the secret vault in the foundation of the ho- of the abandoned hospital. Now these aren't big hospitals. Like at most they were three stories. But they were basically abandoned. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this as well. Maybe triple digits of people know this, but in northwestern Arkansas and northern Arkansas in general, Ozarks, there are a lot of chemical uh, uh, not testing, um, chemical storage and destruction facilities uh, hidden here and there uh, by the military. Now their their existence is public knowledge. Um, but essentially, you know, where all that chemical weapon stuff that we, we make, and then we just don't use it's, it's underneath Arkansas soil and a few other places. It doesn't Uh, sound like a great place to keep it. No, it's a fantastic place. It's like several kilometers into the ground, uh, nearly a mile. I think from what I was told and it, um, they burn as much of it as they can. Uh, which ruins the effect. Um, so, like, basically, 
it's like the nuclear like so the you know the classic story where some people discover a pyramid in the desert and it's got all kinds of warnings on it they don't reckon they don't understand all mm -hmm. of a sudden they start getting sick that story uh which this is gonna sound bad and i'm gonna ask you forgive this ahead of time but the best version of unknowingly tampering with nuclear waste that's ever been done is a My Little Pony version. Huh? Not even joking. The ponies discover the, the this pyramid, and they're looking at it. They can't understand it. Yes, the humans once ruled this world until their genetic sciences destroyed them. Uh, and then they slowly start getting sick one by one. Uh, until uh, the adventurer uh, figures it all out and uh, drags them all out uh, in time for them to heal, be healed of the radiation sickness. Um, it's 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 better than it sounds. I swear, the, this story only goes one way, and it was the best one of them. I've read a few. Um, so wow, Jack, okay, right? You just learned something new. Uh, the the whole like I don't discriminate when it comes to horror as long as it's good horror i'll read it i i just love this this concept is in my mind and i'm not going to be able to get it out there exists <laughs> there exists a my little pony horror story about a mummy's curse that's blow that's blowing my mind well, the, the mummy is uh, Ronald Reagan's nuclear policy, but um, in yeah, okay. <laughs> but yes, uh, there's also Dead Space ones and a few others, but that that never went anywhere, which is such a pity. Um, the uh, that was oh my goodness, that was like a decade ago. So Jack Morrow goes out into the, and I'm just going to describe this episode because there, there, there's spoilers for the episode, but not for anything else because it was a standalone. And I used it just to reveal that he's got hidey holes everywhere and not just stays in a motel in Missouri with a bad um, air conditioning unit. So he, because uh, the audio was rough for the first two, <laughs> uh, especially since I edited my own audio for the first episode. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. Hire somebody if you have to. So the um, so he goes out uh, and discovers that the gas is uh, reacts to light, and that there are animals like hounds in the gas that will follow and try to uh, eat the light. So he escapes, runs, trips, unconscious, uh, as you do, uh, and he wakes up uh, to be completely covered by the gas fortunately his seals which is mostly duct tape and hoodies um because jack morrow is is the human equivalent of a raccoon uh and possum and he does everything as janky as he can uh for no other reason than he can um has held and he discovers that it has taken out a group of uh bikers uh, who were partying in his forest with a big bonfire. So he sees the animals in the gas dancing and uh, playing over the flames, uh, trying to eat it uh, and consume it. And he discovers the bodies of the bikers who had time to, enough to run, um, including one who shot himself, uh, and discovers that within the body, coral, excuse me, 
coral. Oh my god! Excuse me. I have a I have an idea while you're choking to death online in a live stream. Uh, do you have a a short story or a snippet from the show or something in progress that you would like to read for us right now? Oh, absolutely. That sounds wonderful. What do you have? Let's see here. I'll actually read from my last episode. All right. Uh, like Got to settle in. Turn on the fire. Get cozy, everybody. By the way, it's called Pine Bluffs Arsenal. Uh, for people who were interested in the chemical warfare stuff and wanted to look it up. I have to relocate myself because I, I sit weird when I, I speak. After a few minutes in the hold on, after a few minutes in the fog, I heard the crackling of a roaring fire. Someone had been partying. I stayed low and made for the sound. I stayed away from the light of the inferno, but I saw it from a far distance. In the light, mad shapes like the hound I saw before were jumping and dodging. Their mouths snapped at the flames, which did not warp. Their snouts and mouths widened like the jaws of sharks, all sharp angles. The geometries and shapes were warped. Some turned into Cerberus-like beasts or hydras, desperate to attack the flames. The flame sparks flew up and silhouettes of scythe-like hawks swung at them. Some... Excuse me. Something crushed and crashed into the wigwam of logs set up in the middle of a clearing. I shouldn't have eaten chili before this. The gas thing flowed over it, and for a moment the fire dimmed in the concentration, but did not stop its fury. I turned aside, but my hand brushed over something smooth, and I jumped back. A man had been sitting back to the tree. A gun in his right hand and a sack of something had fallen out of his left. I saw that he had shot himself. I could smell nothing. But as I saw more and more of the man in the firelight, the more I, the more I felt panic building in my stomach. Coral grew out of the man's exposed skin. Strange purple buds dipped in and out of his nostrils, ears, and covered his eyes like the scales of a fish. Bite marks could be seen on his flesh, and from them a red and gold flower head blossomed. Blue roots dug into the skin, flowing in and out like a madman's stitch. I had placed my hand on the motorcycle helmet on his head. On both ends of his skull, there was a pair of pink, twisting pillars. The exposed flesh burst out like the first millisecond of a popped bubble. The twists were not unicorn horn-like, but lumpy and crooked. Lines folded over themselves with red wires or domes connecting the two. From the ground where specks of blood and bone had been spattered, tiny columns rounded but dipped in the middle like a used candle could be seen here or there as the firelight allowed. The coral sparked and I left, backing away. Now I could see others like him bodies, their flesh now masks of coral or strange flowers, reached up to the sky, blending into the shadows with the trees. None of these have the same pink coral pillar. I carefully stepped around them, trying not to touch them. So that's a, uh, uh, yeah. That is a, a haunting, nightmare-inducing scene. Thank you kindly. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's that's kind of my goal for this one. 
uh, I didn't actually start off with the coral thing. I thought he was going to run from the ghost towns, but then I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. Um, yeah, sure, this will give nightmares. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, That's the spirit. Yep. And the next one, I'm going to mess around with time a little bit, where he keeps jumping ahead of himself doing things. Uh, and then it's like, all of a sudden, he's like firing a gun at somebody, so he's not quite himself. But I know that when I start working on the next episode, uh, the ideas will change, and I'll find something even more horrible than a man not knowing why he's taking the actions, yet believes firmly with his heart his actions are the most logical thing in the world. Wow. That sounds... All right. That sounds like a really interesting setup. And, uh, hmm. I, I think I had a couple more questions for you. We're, we are running low on time. I, I wanted to give Daddy Warpig a chance. Daddy Warpig, I know you're feeling a little zonked out today. Do, anything you want to ask, Ben? We got him. We got he's, him, ladies and gentlemen. He's hysteric in his chair, gibbering mad, climbing at the walls. No, uh, <laughs> we, you did a number on him with that. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, I, I, you, you've probably amplified his migraine. I'm, I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> uh, the, uh, so I, yeah. I did have I did have a question, a more general question. Uh, why don't you go ahead and 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 go ahead with what you were going to say first. Well, I was going to say, if you if you if you liked what I I read out, you know, uh, episodes in the call in the doobly doo below, um, you know, check it out. Give me some views. Give me some absolutely. Some like views. if if uh, I've got the link on in the comments. If you're listening to this on YouTube later, uh, do you have a an easy to remember website you could say for anybody listening on SoundCloud or iTunes? Uh, I so. I'm, I've just hit the threshold to be able to post I, iTunes, and that'll be something I'll be doing in November. Okay, so look out for Pinkerton's Ghost there. Yeah, I will be doing iTunes and Acast uh, sometime either next week or this week because I have a Ken Dickinson. I have paid him to read a short story for the Soul Anthology put out by Richard Polinelli's uh, Tempest Press. Um, Tuscany Bay, excuse me. Uh, called Ziggurat of the Ghost Kings, uh, which is a more sci-fi horror, uh, where I blend uh, the spiritual nature of a priest of a nightmare horse god uh, with, you know, Star Wars. It's fantastic. Right. Because <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna bring some something into science fiction, it, you're always gonna improve it with lightsabers. Exactly. Um, I'm more Ray Punk. Uh, go for it. Sorry, I had a so so. I will be on the lookout for that. Your your story, Ziggurat of the Ghost Kings. Yes. Um. That. But I had a question that was a little more personal in nature, uh, because you're talking about um, St. Louis, Missouri, and Arkansas, and and places, and this is a part of America that I'm not personally familiar with. So. I was wondering if you could describe succinctly what about uh, what is it about the the your the you know the culture of that region and the stories that come out of it? What makes a Missouri Arkansas Ozarks horror story? 
So for uh, those areas, a lot of it is connected to nature. Uh, so there's in Missouri, you have to kind of split it up into three parts. There's St. Louis, Kansas City, and the vast tracts of wilderness in between them. Um, and that includes like Southern Arkansas. And we'll call that area the Ozarks, like the Ozarks, St. Louis, Kansas City. Okay. Uh, St. Louis, I'm not going to focus on as much uh, because it's old and it's literally got, you can, you can navigate the city by its graveyards. Um, not even joking. Uh, wow. Uh, I know down Gravoy, there's like 20 graveyards, and that's a major street of commerce, um, unironically. Uh, the I am going to go into it on occasion, but the focus is going to be more the Midwest in general because I don't want to lock myself into re repetition. Uh, every episode of Pinkerton's Ghosts will have a unique idea to it that you can focus on, whether it's something like the coral of my own episode or... Um, uh, Ken Dickinson's uh, fish song and its horrifying effects. Um, the I know I will have an, I've got a series I'm plotting out called Beverly Hills Nephilim that's gonna have uh, it's it's gonna be okay it's it's just gonna be a monster hunter except Protestant. All right, uh, that's all it is. Um, you know, except more wrestling. <laughs> more, it's gonna have more wrestling in it than guns. Uh, uh, by the way, I want to give a shout out to my boy JD Cohen, who's in the Soul Anthology. Uh, JD, I swear I didn't crib your story; it just sounds similar. Uh, the uh, and I'm gonna folk. I'm gonna have a three book series where he's in St. Louis, and I'm really gonna push for the horror that is St. Louis and St. Louis living, especially since we're like the first Christian city outside Chicago. Uh, like the you know the Saint Saint Louis, it's it's named after a Saint Saint Louis, Saint, Saint Louis so it's actually yeah. settled by French Catholics. That's right. So Saint Louis has a has a very varied city. We had one of the biggest Indian, excuse me, Native American uh, feather knot dot um, cities in Colombia, uh, and it actually settled like less than ten miles from the city center. They fell away when the diseases and warfare eventually just atrophied the whole place. Um, and then the French settlers turned it into a small trading town. Um, and uh, a lot of Protestants groups uh, of American extraction uh, started taking it over. Part of the Louisiana Purchase. Um, and eventually it was majorly settled by Germans. Uh, as well as Bosnians in recent time, um, which has led to uh, the funny, funny memes about Bosnians being outside my house, and it's horrible. Bosnians, uh, that's, that, that's, that sounds just out of left field. It, it is. We're the second largest Bosnian city in the world. Huh. I learned something else today. Yep. Uh, or third largest. It, it, it changes. But... Uh, yeah, no, we, we settled a whole bunch of Bosnians and Vietnamese. Like, if you're talking non-Americans, uh, it's basically Bosnians and Vietnamese uh, more than any other group right now, uh, which isn't so bad uh, because the Bosnians have, have finally stopped throwing cow guts into the sewers. Um, <laughs> but uh, th actually, no, here, here's a real horror. 
imagine you live in a poor country, then you come to a rich country, uh, and it's everything you ever dreamed about. You still have the the, the hard work ethic and and the skills from the old country, uh, and you make a better life for your kids. And then heroin starts taking your friends and uh, oh, family's children yeah. one by one to the yeah. point where I worked at a restaurant, and in about two years, I just, you know, like so many people died. Uh, it's drug abuse and affluenza and all this other like hopeless living. Like I talked to a, a Muslim religious leader about this and I'm like, dude, the, the, the people these days have no spirit. They have no, no spirituality. They have no heart. And he's like, dude, I know it. Uh, like even, even the Christian heretics that are the Muslims uh, no, have enough spiritual strength to them to know that something is hideously wrong with the children. So yeah, the biggest that's hard to hear. That's that's really hard to hear. That 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 particular part of the country's been hit hard by that, huh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so in Beverly Hills Nephilim, the big focus is gonna be like St. Louis has been the spiritual battleground ever since Chicago burned down and turned into a mob haven. Um so if St. Louis falls, it's like the whole Midwest is just gonna collapse under it. If if it survives, you know, then you know, it's not going to be great. You know, life still sucks and the spirituality isn't where it's going to be, but it's, it's not going to be the collapse that everyone fears. And of course, he's going to kill things that show up in, in the local legends, like a Thunderbird. Uh, he's going to wrestle a Baphomet. I'm going to have real fun with it, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's going to really hit on the St. Louis icons and stuff like that. But that's, 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 a, kinda... that's, that's a great backdrop. I think that <coughs> the picture in my head that I that really resonated with me was, here's a city founded by a devout group of people. And many different groups of devout people have come through over the generations. And it's it's like a spiritual battleground where they're not just, they're not just competing for the hearts and souls of the people who live there but you know with the, whatever dark corruption exists in your dark imagining of st louis that's uh, yep. that's that resonates with me maybe because i'm weird but I, I i like it well because it's 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 got that element of the good the beautiful and the true to it uh st louis is a spiritual city it was the capital of catholicism uh, for for the Midwest, it, and it has the largest basilica west of the Mississippi. It was the science of founding places of the first true uh, uh, mega Protestant mega churches uh, before everything went to crap. Um, for that stuff, like it's like only in recent years, uh, like when I became a man, like when I was. 18 to 20, when people left the church, only then did its spiritual puissance start to diminish um, compared to the rest of the U.S. Uh, that isn't, that's also densely populated. Absolutely fascinating. Great setting, great backdrop to tell those sorts of classic American horror stories. Oh, yeah. On, on a lighter note, um, how do you explain Nellie? Nelly, Nelly, he's he's oh, from Nelly. he's from, he's uh, from St. Louis. Isn't Vanilla Ice also from St. Louis? Is he? Uh, last last up. I heard, he was flipping houses in Florida. Anyway, I'm messing around. I think we're just about out of time. Uh, we've uh, talked. To yeah. So just just so you know, 
St. Louis has had a massive uh, and poor uh, population of those who might be interested in the rap community. Uh, so it, it's it's more of a surprise that more people haven't come from St. Louis than anything else. But that's because the East and West Coasts dominate culture. Uh, yeah. They're going for that culture victory. So it's um, it's more about St. Louis uh, being stomped on by cities who think they understand culture than anything else. Fair, fair. Uh, I'm going to ask if you what else you would like to talk to or talk about before we wrap up for now. Uh, vanilla eyes came from Dallas. I'm sorry. Uh, so check out Pinkerton's Ghost. Thanks, Chat. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, no, I looked it up. Uh, the <laughs> uh, the um, uh, check out Pinkerton's Ghosts. Uh, the Superversives, even though our publisher did close up in the beginning of the year, uh, we're actually doing quite well. David's uh, releasing books through CKP, his Warrior David Halquist, his Warrior Integration series. That man wrote one of the best horror stories. It's about this mad scientist transferring his consciousness to an old man and a, to a new man. And it's about that consciousness that hangs in the storage uh, in between the transfer. Uh, it's horrifying. Um, the, uh, uh, yeah, Anthony Marquette and Ken Dickinson's working with me. Uh, Scott Huggins has signed on with different people uh, to release all things uh, hideous. Uh, I can't remember the fourth thing of it. And Lewis, same uh, way. Uh, El Jaji Lamplighter, right? Still doing uh, wonderful work. Um, and a lot of people moved over to Russell Newquist's or Richard Polinelli's uh, imprint with a few to CKP. Chris Kennedy uh, Publishing. Uh, Vanilla Ice came from Dallas, but he lives in our hearts. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, for myself, uh, look forward to new episodes of Pinkerton's Ghosts or a special uh, short story of mine uh, every Friday at 6 p.m. Central. Um, you know, uh, next episode is in two weeks because of Ziggurat of the Ghost King coming out next week uh, with, uh, I don't even know what Anthony's calling it. The point is, it, it's going to be uh, an American diner horror scene. Uh, and after that, I will be playing around with time and desperately, desperately not trying to kick my pants, uh, trying to keep timelines in order. Uh, <laughs> because that is the hardest part about writing about time travel, even though technically Jack Morrow is just jumping ahead five minutes every two minutes or so. Well, you've, you talked to, talk to uh, Mrs. Wright for that. Uh, John, John, C., John C. Wright did a really good job with his time travel stories. Oh, he's so, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, work. Uh, yeah. I, I, I actually, uh, I'm technically not supposed to, but I, I do, uh, you know, listen to things at night during my night shifts. And, uh, I listened to it through that audiobook, and, Oh, Oh, that's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> but for him, it's, it's more alternate. Like I view his work as being more in the realm of alternate timelines, more than loops and a few other different things. Mm-hmm. Which I know, like, we don't have time for it, but I've got rants at several different spots uh, on the Superversive blog, somewhere in the Superversive 
uh, catalog of videos, which by the way, check out all our videos. Like we got, if you want to just relax with me and a guest or with me, Anthony and a guest or just with each other, just talking about stuff and literature and books, you know, like daddy Warpig's been a guest several times, like, you know, just, just check out all our videos. I've got other short stories, including great black cat of the witching hour, um, which was a Halloween special last year. Oh, that sounds um, great. I'm glad that stuff is still around. Are your videos just hosted on YouTube? Yes. Uh, I've got a lot of things backed up. Not all of them, but I got I got all the important ones backed up. Uh, so if anything should happen to that, uh, because uh, if AG Bar actually does, does, you know, make it a reckoning between him and Google on those anti-monopoly laws, oh, we're in for a fun time. Um, <laughs> Back up all your stuff. Get hard copies. Absolutely. Because uh, the horror of discovering all your work is lost is the true horror of the writer. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then one day we'll have... Uh, well, writers will pine for the days when people could just pirate all their work online. Like, I miss those days. Now nobody can get my stuff. Right? Yeah. It's like, they won't even pirate my work. I mean, that's, you know how, how, how like, debilitating that is? It's like you're not even worth pirating. Sometimes <laughs> I have to stream my own torrents. You know how bad that is? That, that must feel, I'm sorry for, I'm laughing but uh, on the inside, but I'm also laughing on the outside. That's That's got to be tough. I know. Uh, oh, well. It is what it is. Um, anyway, I think it's about time we wrap it up. Thank you so much for hanging out and, and doing that reading for us and, and telling us about your Pinkerton's uh, ghost project. Uh, it sounds really creepy and fascinating. Uh, Daddy Warpig, do you have anything you'd like to ask or anything? Hmm. He is still in the super. Stupid. He's he's he has been stupid. Um, I'm gonna anyway. Uh, what well, we'll we'll have to assume that he is currently unavailable due to migraine, which is fine. Um, ben Wheeler, any last words? Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I always appreciate uh, advertising my work and talking about it with people. Uh, especially since, uh, here at, you know, St. Louis, it gets a little bit, uh, strange, dark and, uh, well, you know, the, the little minions I've made for myself, including Jonathan twist, whose skin flaps r reach out so that I may stencil in my words, uh, upon his stretched flesh. Uh, they're not very good at talking back to me. <laughs> Fair. I appreciate this. Yeah, it's well, it's good to have you back. We'll have you back again sometime in the future. Uh, as for me, uh, lively live chat today. Great to see you guys in. Hey, everybody, I'm not going to call out everybody's names, but I'm glad you could hang out and ask questions and chat with Ben. Uh, hey, yeah, yeah, Ben, thanks for hanging out in the chat. Not uh, Some guests uh, don't bother and some guests jump in and chat. It's always great. Uh, appreciate everybody who's in a listen to this later on YouTube or SoundCloud or iTunes or something like that. Uh, I'm going to assume that Daddy Warpig is sick, so I will end the show by saying uh, this has been a fantastic show. It's been Geek Gab for Saturday, October 24th, 2020. If you like what you hear, click that like and subscribe button. 
get your alerts here on YouTube. You can find us here at YouTube at youtube.com slash geekgab. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Geek Gab. You'll find us. And just crank up that volume and revel in Daddy Warpig's wonderful opening. But I am Dornal, signing off for today. But don't you worry, and don't you dare fret. We will be back. <laughs>